0: And Welcome to Ranks FC 2023. Happy New Year to all of you in the Ranks squad, all of you out there. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today as we start another calendar year chock-a-block full of football content. And I'm joined today by the full squad. It's the Rank God, Mr. Sam Tye. How are you doing, mate?
1: Hello, my friend. Happy New Year. Yes, very well, thank you. Enjoyed my festive period. Enjoyed the football returning as well. Uh, it's been good, hasn't it, last couple of days? Very enjoyable.
0: Very, very enjoyable. And of course, the busiest man in the world at this time of year. It's so our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. How you doing, mate?
2: Hello, mate. Happy New Year. Yeah, i uh, not sure about busiest man in the world. I, I definitely am um, not the hardest grafter in the world. I would never claim that. But um, for, by my standards, I'm harder working than the rest of the year, maybe. yeah, Let's that, that's, that's put it into con- some context in that sense. But yeah, it's it's been all right so far. Um, the kids go back to school tomorrow, which will be a massive help in terms of actually working because they're massively distracting. Um, <laughs> they, 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 yeah, they uh, they take up a lot of time when they're not they're not at school. So, mostly, I've been playing Hot Wheels today. So that's how busy I've been. Um, but now, I've, I've got a few hours to work now, so it's all good. Yeah, an enjoyable
0: time. Well, today, we're going to be talking about the biggest deals struck so far. And it's a lot, actually, that has already happened. Everyone has, has moved quite quickly at the start of this transfer window. So there's lots to get through. And But before we get onto that, and that as a main ranking, I think it feels only fair to start this podcast by talking about Enzo Fernandez, because... It's not a deal that has been already struck, or at least not as we're recording this on, on Tuesday afternoon, but it does seem to be edging closer. And Dean, this looks like a blockbuster bit of business. Chelsea signing Enzo Fernandes for over £100 million.
2: But it's going to be one of the most expensive transfers ever done. Like that's how significant this is. Um no, like as we're recording right now, this isn't official, but um, everything I'm being told is to expect that by the end of this week, it might well be. So that's why we're we're putting this at the top of the pod today, because this, you know, when we're talking about big transfers that have happened so far, this one doesn't seem to be that far away. And, and that's a big turnaround from where we were a week or so ago, when it seemed like Benfica were going to hold firm. It seemed like they would want um, all of his release clause up front. Uh, that was everything we were hearing was going to be like that. Everything we were hearing was that Chelsea wouldn't meet that release clause. And things in the past, I'd say 48 hours or so, no, maybe a bit longer than that, because I guess it was starting at the weekend when the first murmurs were that actually there was a possibility of structuring this deal in a different way. And it might be that Chelsea even end up paying a little more than the release clause, to be honest, over, over a period of time. But ultimately... If this deal is struck, he will be Chelsea's most expensive signing of all time. I think the the fourth most expensive signing ever in football. Um, We're looking at, well, it could be 130 million euros, the way it's being spoken about at the moment. Um, So even if we get close to that, we're looking at something that is phenomenal. And this is obviously a player that's just been awarded the best young player at the World Cup award. Um, We all watched him there and we, we were all impressed by him there. Um, certainly we wouldn't have been seeing this deal happening at this price if the World Cup had not happened in the middle of the season. So that is one huge significance we've seen from having the Winter World Cup. We're seeing one of the biggest transfers ever. Um, And I think we, let's assess this from a Chelsea point of view, because whenever Chelsea have thrown huge sums of money at a signing, it either hasn't worked out at all, or has certainly taken time to work. I'd say the two biggest examples of complete flops are Romelu Lukaku and Fernando Torres. No um, different type of deals. One was 100 million, one was 50 million, but at, at different times, both huge sums of money. You know, Torres, when he signed for Chelsea, it looked like an absolutely unbelievable signing. Nobody could believe they'd managed to get him out of Liverpool, and it was guaranteed goals didn't turn out that way. Lukaku didn't turn out that way. But they're both forwards, right? What really is interesting here is that Chelsea are playing this sum of money potentially for a central midfielder. Obviously, this goes hand in hand with the fear and the prospect of losing Jorginho and Kante over the next year. Also, you're probably pay, paying a premium here to make sure he doesn't go and join a rival. Chelsea already struggling to keep up in the title race, tr- struggling to make sure that they finish in the top four this season. They can't afford to fall any further away from those teams that they typically compete with. Look, for Benfica, this is a massive moment. I want you two to try and put up an argument for why he is worth this, this amount of money. Um, the, the narrative around this is surely going to be, What? What? How much are they paying for a guy that is, was he 21? Like, this is he's extraordinary. Most people have seen him play seven times, me included, at the World Cup. <laughs> um, Jack, you've definitely seen more of him at Benfica because you watch a, a lot of that league. Uh, Sam, you, you obviously do too, um, maybe not so much as, as Jack, but you both have a, probably a better assessment of, one, how he fits into the Premier League, two, how he fits in at Chelsea, and three, how this can become a good value deal. Can you do it?
0: It's hard, isn't
2: it? it, it <laughs> oh, it's mate, you've asked, the, you've asked the earth
1: of us. Um, I am. I am. This is, I mean, look, like he's a phenomenal footballer, but I think part of the way through what you were saying there, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Typically speaking, these fees are reserved for strikers, forwards, You know, the absolute elite creative playmakers. Game definers, right? Yeah, absolutely. Your your Neymars of the world, your Pogbas. And this is, you know, Enzo is a fantastic footballer. But making a case for him to cost 120, 130 million at this point is very, very difficult. I don't think I'm going to be be able to make it to you. I don't think I can genuinely justify that. And I'd be stunned if Jack can do it as well. Um, Jack can do anything Jack, right. any advances <laughs> no I mean it, it's it's the old James
0: Connolly quote isn't it our demands most moderate are we only want the earth is it, what yeah. Dean's basically <laughs> just just asked of us look I don't think any of this is to suggest that Enzo isn't a wonderful player right yeah. we're, we're talking about the player who's just gone and won the best young player award at the World Cup who was absolutely intrinsic to this Argentina side as, as they took the greatest prize in football who, who's been one of Benfica's star performances they topped their Champions League group who has been a key man as Benfica have romped to a big lead in the title race in the Primera as well so no one's sitting here and going Enzo Fernandez isn't a good player he definitely is he's, he's a very very good player this fee is just so high but you can understand why right from a Benfica perspective they're like we bought him six months ago why why would we sell him for yeah. anything less than his release clause right now so so it makes sense from that perspective they're gonna if you want him Come and get him. And and this is what the fee is. And they have no reason to budge on that. He's on a contract. He obviously looks like he wants to, to, you know, to take advantage of the situation and make the move. Fine. No problem with that at all. But there is an element of Benfica going, well, why would we sell for anything less? And so at that point, it does get to that point where you're like, well, they've done this before. We saw them hold out for a release clause on João Felix when, when he went to Atlético Madrid. We saw them hold out for a big fee on, on Darwin Nunez when he went to Liverpool. So from that perspective, the fee makes sense. It's just a lot of money for Chelsea to be paying. But, you know, you you kind of highlighted the reasons early on, Dean. If he goes somewhere else and excels, people are going to make big question mark statements about this Chelsea side. And, you know, the question mark will be, okay if you're going to spend this amount of money on a player who plays in this position or who plays in midfield and you're looking to strengthen Chelsea's midfield, the question is always going to be, well, why haven't you paid that for Jude Bellingham? But I don't think you could get Jude Bellingham out right now. And it looks like no. Chelsea need an immediate fix um, and, and someone to kind of give them a lift because at the moment they're being well, outclassed and outplayed in pretty much every game. I think it's what one yeah. win in seven for Graham Potter. Yeah. So, you know, you can understand why Chelsea are looking to make a, a big money signing right now, but, To make Enzo Fernandes after half a season in Europe, the most expensive player in Premier League history Mm. is a big, big call. It might be a call that pays off for someone at this age who goes on and looks like he has all the tools to be wonderful for a number of years. It might pay off, but it just is a massive gamble and it's a massive weight on his shoulders at an early point in his career.
2: Let's turn this around just a little bit because by the time some people listen to us this, this might deal might have even happened or it might have even fallen through. So um, if so let's imagine it, it doesn't quite reach these values that are being spoken of as we were recording right now, which is you know being struck in advance of a 105 million pounds or whatever. Say Chelsea managed to get Enzo Fernandez initially at least at market value. What is market value? Like what is a fair price for Enzo Fernandez?
1: Somewhere between sixty and eighty would yeah. be my would be my window eighty yeah. is the absolute upper and it's and it's off the back of a World Cup push as well um but yeah i don't I, in my head i had i had Enzo going at you yeah, know maximum 80, probably
2: around yeah, the I 60 think that's fair yeah. yeah and i think I think that that is is i think that's huge. that is a definitely a competitive fee and arguably that sounds to me very fair based on yeah. The fact is at Benfica, the fact that he's so young, I think it's still a highly competitive price to be paying for any midfielder in that range. I think when you consider some of the fees that we've seen for other players in recent times, if you think of players that have moved for eighty-five million pound, you know, a Nunez or an Anthony, they are they are players that moved in the last year or so and are actually. More attacking, so they usually have a premium on them. Yeah. To drop just beneath that probably seems about right. Think about Pogba players like that too. But think like, about Frankie really De Jong. For.
1: I know it was a, a few years ago now, but like, you know, I'd probably hold Frankie up as the benchmark here, particularly given they're both press resistant, ball progressing, deep line midfielders. And Frankie went to Barcelona off an Ajax like triumph. Like and it was what, seventy odd, seventy five? Mm. So yeah. we're talking like quite a significant amount more than that off six months in Europe. Appreciate the World Cup win, appreciate the, the young player of the tournament. Like it, it's like no matter how you drop this on, no the matter what ben- benchmark you use, boy, is it a lot of money.
2: And also yeah. he's gonna need someone in there alongside him. So part of all this too with, with Chelsea is this is if they do get Enzo Fernandez, this isn't where the where we end. Chelsea's midfield isn't suddenly fixed here. <laughs> Because you still have other problems and other players. I've got a
1: solution. How about Benfica midfielder Florentina Luis? <laughs> yeah, to be fair, to be fair, two hundred fifty million. Double deal.
0: Double deal would make more sense in many ways. I just my, my problem is is that obviously he signed for Benfica for what ten million. I think they only bought seventy five percent of his rights, and then there was some add-ons as well. I think so. The, the total deal was closer to twenty million euros over the summer. Yeah, and what was he with, before? He was at River Plate. River was. River play. River was so river. we're looking at this and going right. So what's his value? It's going to have jumped up by like five hundred thousand euros a day.
2: <laughs> the time, the of,
0: That's that's madness. But also, it must be frustrating. And I know Chelsea are maybe trying to sort this problem out. In that, obviously, they can't. You can't get everybody before they make the leap. You can't take gambles on players every time. But can you go to source? At what point are our teams going to start? going, you know what would be more sensible for us is if we stop getting the middle man involved and, and look to sign Enzo Fernandez from, from River. Right? Because... Oh, like
1: Man City when they bought Julian Alvarez for
0: 11 million. Exactly, right? And, and I think there were signs that Enzo was going to be excellent when he was at River. And, and look, he has taken a, a big leap forward. and He has arrived on the European stage flying. And and that's fine, right? But there were plenty of people who would have told you that was going to be the case ahead yeah. of this summer. And, and look, obviously, Chelsea have gone into the South American market in this window already, and they, they've picked up a midfielder straight out of South America in Andre Santos to look at and go, right, okay, maybe we can make that move and, and maybe we can cut the middleman out in future. But it just seems mad to be doing this at, at this kind of price yeah. after six months. But... That's the way of the world. And and look, this isn't, again, you know, we probably should reiterate, none of this is to suggest that Enzo is anything but excellent because he is. He's a really, really, really good player. But this is a leap again. And whilst he has taken everything in his stride so far in, in his kind of short career, you know, you never know when that's going to stop.
1: Yeah, um, From Chelsea's perspective, obviously, they probably just didn't have the infrastructure in place to be able to make this deal in the summer given they'd just been taken over and they had all that stuff to sift through like for them possibly just not possible this time around for Enzo to, to, to kick into gear that early because obviously the summer was pretty tumultuous speaks volumes really that you know City six months before took Alvarez I mean I'm sure everybody was scouting Alvarez so if you're scouting Alvarez you you can see Enzo Fernandez. like he's in the same team they pass to each other so from Chelsea's perspective he won't have been a secret. I bet they just couldn't couldn't get their house in order and ready to, to even attempt a deal like this. And yeah, we've seen others since that sort of suggest that they are trying to get there. But it's desperation plus World Cup hype plus excellent player plus January.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All those factors, all those facts. Um, Sam, you and I are actually going to dig a little bit deeper into Enzo Fernandez and his statistics. He's in the 23 Toolbox. Our friends over at 23 on our YouTube channel. I was going to say tomorrow, but it'll be today as this podcast drops. Wednesday. So Wednesday keep, afternoon, England. Keep an eye out for that. We're going to be doing some some crunching of the numbers around why this signing is being pursued so aggressively by Chelsea right now. Um, So keep an eye out for that one. Um, But I think it's probably time for us to move on to our main segment. So we're going to be looking at some of the biggest and best deals that have been struck already in this transfer window after the break. Don't go anywhere. Did you hear that a Lionel Messi trading card recently sold for over $500,000 on Golden Auctions? Golden is the leading and most trusted destination for some of the most significant pieces of sports and pop culture collectibles, and better yet, it's not just for high ticket items. Golden's new always-on marketplace and weekly auctions start at just $5. That means collectors of all kinds can enjoy the same quality, convenience and seamless user experience that Golden is known for. Whether you're looking to buy, sell, grade or vault, Golden has something for everyone and is your one-stop destination for the love of collecting. Looking to buy a collectible? Good idea. While the S&P 500 fell by an average of nearly 20%, collectibles like trading cards actually increased in value. Looking to sell a collectible? Now is the time to do it. Golden is offering all sellers up to 50% off marketplace fees before February the 17th. Head over to golden.co to get started. That's G-O-L-D-I-N dot C-O. Welcome back to Ranks FCS time for our main ranking. And I'm delighted to once again, throw the floor to Mr. Samtai, the rank god.
1: Yeah, I thought this was Dean's month. What's going on here? Is he on holiday um, again? Yeah, back
0: on holiday. He's doing opening segments and, uh, and, and melons <laughs> I'm at Heathrow, I'm at
1: Heathrow airport right now. <laughs> <laughs> three days of the window and he's done. That's enough Hot Wheels for anyone, isn't it, really? Yeah, um, yeah let's talk about some of the big deals already struck. I think um, you enter January, you want to talk about transfers. I know the listeners want to hear about transfers. Uh, Dean, you did a good job last week of setting the table on the big storylines uh, over the course of the winter and, you know, talking about guys like Mikhail Mudrik and you know, what might happen there, but we're going to flip the script a little bit and talk about deals that have quite literally already been rubber stamped. Like, Fair play to these clubs. We're sat here on January the 3rd, and these guys have already got deals over the line. And some of them are for big, big money. It's very impressive. Like, You go out there, you find what you want, and you nail it. You get it done. I I always respect that. So let's take a look at the five biggest deals, Um, typically by transfer fee, but there is one Slightly different one. Maybe you can measure it by wages instead. We'll get to that in a moment. Don't know if you know who I'm talking about. No um, idea. And we'll start, at, we'll start at number five. And this one's actually snuck in on Tuesday morning, just in time. It's Max Verber who has joined Leeds United from RB Salzburg for about 10 million. Uh, by trade, he is a centre-back, left-footed centre-back, all the rage. But he's been playing left-back this season. And so, well, inter- interesting to see what happens from here because Jesse Marsh former Salzburg manager, used him at centre-back. Since then, he's moved on and upward and he's been playing on the left in Austria. So let's see what happens there. I suspect he's going to play left-back for Jesse Marsh because Mm. quite often... They're put. I mean, they just they just need someone, don't they? I mean, you often look at the team sheet for Leeds, and you're like, right, oh, who's at left back today? And oh, that guy. Oh, okay. Oh, they're playing Pascal Struk out of position. Oh, okay. Oh, they've got a youth academy player in this week because Junior Firpo can't stay fit, and they just don't really have a solution. So, verber has been playing half a season at left back. I'd imagine he's coming in at least initially to play left back for Leeds. So, in terms of picking up area picking up a player in an area you need, big tick, well done. In terms mm. of the player itself. 10 million is not very much money. Is it really about the going no. rate for an all right footballer? Yeah, right. No. Um, okay, I'll be honest. Yeah. Jesse Marsh knows him very well. Understands, understands his game. Verber understands the Red Bull system. He's joining a couple of other players that he'll know very well as well. On the other flank is Rasmus Christensen. Obviously they played together at Salzburg. Um, Christensen probably remembers him as a centre-back nowadays, he's running up and down the wing linking in the wide areas, trying to play one-twos, he's all right at it but you can tell he's built like a centre-back so I'm interested to see how this works I think we're probably looking at one of those situations here where the back line tilts around, Verba sort of sits inside as that quasi third centre-back and Rasmus Christensen flies forward as he always does on the right-hand side, I think that's probably where these players feel most comfortable I think that's probably what we're going to see I think from Verba you can expect a guy playing at left back who looks like a centre-back. He'll probably split time between the position depending on the phase. He's quite big. He's not that fast. He seems to get his head on a lot of the balls into the box, either box. Quite good at defending them. Quite good reading of the game. Quite good at attacking corners and quite good at getting his head on the end of those. And just a bit of durability would be helpful for Leeds as well. They seem to have a lot of injuries in defence all of the time. So maybe just a more solid kind of week-to-week name to call upon. I think that's important. So one last thing to mention for Verba, very weirdly, based on everything I've said, he's got a hell of a free kick in his locker. He's oh, scored it? multiple free kicks from 20 or 25 yards out. Oh. It's like a left-footed Austrian James Ward-Prowse. Oh, have occasion. you just
2: unlocked an FPL asset for me? Have I got a little insight here?
1: Oh. Maybe, I don't know. Ooh. I mean, Leeds do concede a lot of goals. So they do concede be, a lot be, of goals, but do you're supposed to wary. stop that. They a centre-back <laughs> at left-back, maybe they'll
2: stop doing that. Um, I mean, I've, I've read the reactions to this um, from Leeds fans who were expecting an out-and-out left-back because they've needed one for so long. I know they were linked with Kai Wagner, um, and I think a yeah. lot were expecting him to land. Um, and I think now we can assume that that won't happen. I think you're right. I think that this, this signing... Probably rules out another left back arriving. Um, I think it's helpful to them that they've found somebody that can fill two roles as and when they they need either one. And yeah, hopefully it does help Leeds. Maybe the fact that he's he's built like a, you know he has a centre back build. Maybe that is also part of like this Leeds model now. They're a physical side. They're aggressive. Yeah. They you have to you have to kind of have that about you now in in this Leeds team. It's like. They are fighting to stay in this league um, at at times, quite literally. Um, And they're winding people (laughs) up along the way too. But um, I'm not always sure that that's going to work in their favour. But it seems to be a a trait that that Marsh has brought in since almost day one, isn't it? Like they've had this about them. And uh, if he's got that in his locker too, which obviously Marsh will know, um, given his background with him, it'll be a good, good signing for Leeds.
0: What is this? Three players now brought in from Salzburg, four from the RB system. You know, it really does feel like Red Bull Yorkshire is is starting (laughs) to to kick into full gear. But, you know, these are the things you do want. And I think in some ways, obviously, you've touched on this already, Sam, but you you want those players who are going to drop in immediately in January and be able to make an instant impact. And you're thinking that someone who's already worked with Marsh, who knows how he wants to play, who will understand that kind of vibrancy that he's looking for in this team and and all of the things that Jesse Marsh has tried to bring to the table with Leeds is the kind of sensible move to make in this situation because there's no point signing players in January, especially if you're in Leeds' position where you're kind of looking over your shoulder at this relegation scrap and going, want nothing to do with that, or at least you need to come out the right side of it. You need players that are going to come in and, and make that difference immediately. And it does feel like bringing in a player who knows at least, you know, the systems that, that Marsh is going to try and play is a sensible manoeuvre at this point.
1: Yeah, there's basically two types of good January signing. The one is the one you just described, the immediate impact, because that's what you need. And the other one is in 12 months, we'll take, well, you know, you might be quite useful to us. It's the Julian Alvarez um, signing. So like, we don't need you right now. We're just, we're just booking you in advance. You either do that or you parachute someone in give them a sword and a shield and let them run onto the pitch immediately. And that's basically what this is. Verba is is, is is that type of signing. And it's, it's it January is for plugging holes. You know, it's for, it's for fixing leaks. And, and I think they've probably done something quite smart here in finding someone for just not that much money who can drop in and go. Yeah. Nice. And,
0: and that versatility you spoke about right at the top important right because it does mean that if Leeds go out and buy a new left back in the summer let's let's say that Leeds stay up and and they're fine and they're looking at this going right okay where do we need to strengthen the answer is probably still left back right but if verba then moves into the center and and becomes part of that defensive core then it means that it's not a wasted signing either or it's not someone just just been parachuted in for a six month period and i think Mm. that's probably sensible planning right let's move on to the next one then shall we
1: All right, let's go to the similarly priced. And I didn't know how to rank them five to four because I think they basically come out at the same amount of money. But for around 10 million as well, it's David Datro Fafana who was moved to Chelsea. He is probably the other end of the spectrum that I just mentioned. He is the, let's bring you in now. You look pretty good. We'll assess you and maybe in a year we might be able to use you. And that really does ring true for Fafana because he's coming straight from Scandinavia, which doesn't happen very often at all. Um, I'm no authority on the player. So straight up, I would first of all recommend to everybody to go to Scouted Football's website and read their article on him. It's very good. It talks about why why he's good and where he needs to improve. And we'll bounce off that and we'll take the top line, which is he's about six out of 10 in most facets of the game. It's like pretty Chelsea. good.
0: <laughs> pretty, I pretty think that's good. kind
1: to Chelsea right now to yeah, be be. Honest. So, in some areas for Great sure um, he's, he's, he's pretty good at most things he's a potential all-round striker the kind that I like some of the stuff he does in deeper areas including like initiating counter-attacks and sort of flicking the ball around the corner and carrying it into space really eye-catching really really good he's just done one full season so far in Norway in the elite here in the top tier 15 goals in the league and 24 appearances pretty good four more in the Conference League, add one in Domestic Cup, it creates a magical hall of 20. The thing everybody points to for strikers. So hey, Mm. first full season, he's hit 20 goals in all competitions. Good stuff. But obviously from here, the step to Chelsea is absolutely gargantuan. And Chelsea are kind of cheating here in terms of like, they're skipping several steps on the transfer ladder. This player is supposed to go to Belgium right, for like seven, eight million. And then he's mm. supposed to have two really strong seasons. And then he moves to Chelsea for like 40. That's what's supposed to happen. Chelsea have actually, Jack, what we were talking about in the intro for Enzo, they weren't quite mm. in a position to to go to source. Chelsea have gone to source on Fafana. They've decided to to cut out the middleman. Mm. Now, I don't know what they're actually going to do with him and whether or not that's going to prove to be a good choice because they need to take care of him. There needs to be a plan for these players, And they've gone to source on a few others as well. Cesare Casaday, Kani Chikwameka, Fafana, Andri Santos. Like they're really, really aggressively scooping up players in this age range. I hope they know what they're doing with them because it is a shame to see talent wasted. But they're spotting the young generation, the talent, and they're going out and they're grabbing it. And let's see what they can do with it. And Fafana, I think, you know... They haven't announced what they're going to do with him. They literally have just said, "Like, oh, he signed, and mm. we'll figure it out later." There's no loan back planned. There's no other loan to a to to a Belgium or a Belgian team. Yeah.
2: Um, I, I don't think know. He, he probably will. He probably will. I think that their conundrum probably is, well, Brozier's out now. Yeah. Does he does he fill that gap? Can he fill that gap? I mean, Brozier was barely playing. We're seeing minutes here and there, but we well, have a couple of starts, I think. But. Um, could he feel that gap? I mean, he's a similarish stage of his career um, in terms of age, but um, I think that's probably what they're trying to assess right now. Can he? Can he be useful, or does he need more development? And he, he goes out on loan um, at the end of the month. So I imagine, and from what I understand, that is exactly what they're doing right now. Yeah, I mean- just a month's worth of assessment. Yeah, Yeah. are you as good as Brozier or not?
0: Well, yeah, it's a fair question. I mean, I've watched a little bit of him. I'll be honest with you, I I don't watch the Elite Serie M, but I have. What? No, it's about the only league Actually does
2: slightly (laughs) surprise me.
0: Yeah, but obviously he's been playing in the Conference League. So I've caught a bit of him there. I think it's been relatively all right. I think he's got four in 10 or something like that. Um, But I I, I was thinking about this and the thing you got me thinking about was was that record of, of how many he scored. Uh, for Moulder this season um, I remember there was another striker once who scored a fair amount of, of goals <laughs> in the season for Mulder for Mulder uh, yeah yeah. I mean I, if he's scoring at pretty much the exact same rate that Erling Haaland was scoring in 2017 and 2018 for Mulder so you know if that's anything to go by then Chelsea might have got themselves a gem but no, I, I think there's you, you're pretty much right he, he doesn't jump out you and go oh he's really good at one thing i I like the way carries the ball i think it's been impressive uh, in in those europe league group stages we have conference league group stages um but generally he just seems to be relatively good at everything and that that's a nice place to be as a young striker because i think if you can improve a couple of those facets then you've got someone who can who can build out a game And, and and i would be surprised if he went out alone just because of the amount of bodies that Chelsea need or feel like they need at the moment just in terms of rounding out this squad their injuries the things just aren't falling for them and especially when the goals are not flowing and they're very much not you know just to have those the body to throw on and be like right here's a young striker. we've got you know one of those a goal from a young striker, even if it's an FA Cup game or if it's in a a league game and that they're already winning and it basically just finishes the job, they can give everyone a bit of a boost because it just gives you that feeling that, okay, maybe there is some sort of plan for the future. And I just think that that feel-good factor might be one of the things missing at Chelsea at the moment. Mm.
1: Quite possibly, yeah. I guess we'll have yeah. to see. I mean, basically, he gets to go and train with, first and foremost, like a significantly better set of players. And, you know, that adaption period is always quite difficult, quite interesting. Yeah. See how he goes for the, for a couple of
2: weeks. but They still yeah. might try and get another forward, you know? Like, that. this is the other thing. Like, they're... Being... Well, that, that
0: would maybe change things, but it is, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how it kind of rolls on from here. Um, Sam, who's next?
1: Okay, at number three, and we are really going at price order until we get to the end. And at the moment, it's Cody Hackpo who has come out a little bit cheaper than we probably anticipated post World Cup. Looks like thirty-seven million pounds rising to potentially forty. I'm not saying it's cheap. I'm just saying that after excelling at the World Cup. At, it doesn't seem to be that much more it's expensive. It's not £120 it? million, uh, and <laughs> the most expensive player in the Premier League, despite doing quite well in the World Cup. No, kind of it's money. also really not very far away from the roughly £35 million fee that Southampton appeared to agree for this player in August. Um, you know, so World, World Cup tax works one way, but maybe not the other. Maybe you have to win the World Cup. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. That's not an, not an exact science. But Cody Hakpo has joined Liverpool. Uh, once again, they've struck very early, uh, very decisively seems Like they got this done on Christmas Day, which is very Scroogey, Sentable, but fair every, enough.
0: Everyone's like, everyone's off chatting to their families, having a good time, having a few sherries, and yeah. they've just rang up the BSV lads who are you know a little bit worse for wear, perhaps. And they're like, Hey, and yeah, yeah. like, you know what, gone is Christmas
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> season of giving and all that. And PSV given Cody Hackpo to Liverpool. They recreated the Van Dyke Christmas tree, uh, photo, which was Did awesome. yeah. Um. Let's hope for their sake that is a good omen. If this transfer goes anywhere near as well as Virgil van Dijks did, then uh, they're in for some good times. I think this is a fun deal uh, in a couple of different ways. One, that he's just a really good player and I'm really looking forward to seeing him play in the Premier League. He definitely solves a problem or two in the forward line and due to injuries to Luis Diaz and Jota and a few others and Firmino. But he also doesn't actually solve the very biggest problem Liverpool have, which is in central midfield. So, Mm -hmm it's an interesting one where the fans are like yes we got a good player we have got a good signing brilliant we've spent some money but also like is like can we also you know that big gaping hole over there any chance we could fill that as well like they're kind of like torn between like elation and like genuine concern and once again we've just seen liverpool play again and the midfield is terrible um so short term at least i think hakpo just kind of boosts everybody i think he plays left wing to begin with we know he's a great ball carrier we know he's a great crosser We know he is a phenomenal striker of the ball. He should be able to have a good immediate impact. And his crossing ability might just add a little something to Darwin's game as well. Might bring him to life even more. Um, Long term, might end up moving centrally. Maybe, you know, as a roaming 10, drifting around, receiving, turning, combining. I mean, there's a chance Klopp a bit of Firmino. In the early stages of Cody Hackpo here, well, and he's also already a had chance to come he's... out to defend
0: that, hasn't he? He's been like, "This does not mean the end of Roberto Firmino." Yeah, that's, a, yeah. that's a big statement to be making straight away. And to, it,
1: but you know. Firmino's contract is up in the summer. Like this, yeah. like this very, it might not be Hackpo's being the end of Firmino, but Firmino might be done in Liverpool now. That it might, that might be the case regardless. There's also a chance, you know, there's a sneaky bit of me that thinks that Klopp might see a bit of the old Genie Wijnaldum number ten in Cody Hackpo. There's also a chance that he sees none of this and he just thinks he's a left winger. Um, So we'll see. We'll see. But the good news is is there's loads of options here and there's loads of ways in which Cody Hakpo can work for Liverpool. And that's a good sign. That's a good sign.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think that, you know, obviously we discussed Cody Hakpo when he was linked quite heavily with Manchester United, Dean. And one of the things that we were concerned about was the fact that there didn't seem to be a natural spot for him on the left wing, considering how well Marcus Rashford is playing and the fact that the Jadon Sancho might end up being shifted out there to to accommodate Anthony's arrival. And then it was like, oh, is he going to play as a centre forward? Because I still think that at this point in his career, now this might change. But at this point in his career, I think Cody Hackpo's best position is on the left wing. You know, it seems to be the place where he can have the best effect. I wouldn't use the World Cup as a brilliant sample size because the Netherlands play quite a strange formation that allows their two strikers to sort of dip back and and become tens and and drift. So I I would say that right now, what we know from Cody Hackpo and watching him over the last couple of years is that off the left, he's incredibly effective. And that does seem right now to be a position where Liverpool need backup, especially with Luis Diaz injured. Where it leaves Liverpool when... Diaz returns from injury, when Diego Jota returns from injury, I think that there could be question marks over how all of these players fit in. But right now, I think this serves an immediate need.
2: Yeah, and I mean, the left-sided players something Man United definitely didn't need right now. So you're, you're right. Um, certainly Liverpool need this more right now. I think uh, the, the player himself was really keen on the Man United move. There, there is no doubt about that. I think perhaps what we've seen play out here. Is pretty typical of how these two clubs have been run in recent times. Whereas Man United take an age to get anything done, and we we hear all the hype around the deal, all the, we see the whole pursuit played out in front of us, and then usually about eighteen months later, they do get they either get him or they don't. Um, and here, Liverpool have been linked with him for about five minutes and have got it done. Like that is pretty much what they do too. Like yeah. you don't tend to hear the noise around it. So I think that. This is very reflective of, of the time we live in with these two teams and the way that business is conducted. Um, ultimately, Liverpool got their offers both to to the club and to the player in line very quickly. And because that was in place, Hakpo couldn't really wait around and he was obviously more than happy to go to Liverpool, especially as he said himself, once he spoke to Van Dyke about it all too. Um, it all made sense. He's joining a team that having recent times, has been, been one of the best around. So it all fits. It also is a possibility. It helps get something out of Nunez in terms of... He's obviously getting in the positions. I know I'm harder on him than most people, uh, hence the melon of the year award. Um, but I think that has to be part of it. I think the ha- part of this is definitely the fact that Nunez just hasn't delivered yet. And they can't rely on... I think they were very hopeful that, that Nunez would have filled that Mane void better than has happened, not necessarily in, in the way that he plays, but in in terms of the goal output. That, that's that been the biggest problem, I think, that they've probably suffered. Um, and so Hakpo needs to probably make up for that Mane void still. That, that still hasn't been solved, especially when Luis Diaz isn't around. So, um, yeah, it's a big hole in this team. It's, it's a huge flaw in, in the side setup. I mean, Liverpool have got multiple problems right now. They are going to address the midfield issue in this transfer when they're told that they're, they're on the lookout for something that can work. And we're expecting two midfielders to be signed um, in 2023. So we'll see what level of player they end up signing. But I think that Hackpo is just a sign of, of the intent and it just shows that they can, they can go and pull off big business very quickly. Well, on the midfield front, I really hope their ideas are better
1: this time around than Arthur Mello. Uh, yeah, because that yeah that you, we knew that was going to be
2: just awful, and it, I think it really so. has proven yeah. to be. So I hope for yeah, Liverpool's did, sake that they could they can do something about that. Yeah, you definitely did. You definitely did call that out. I, I remember. I mean, Moise Caicedo is one obviously that that keeps getting linked. I mean, I would be very surprised if he left Brighton um, right now, but we we'll have to wait and see. I, I I refuse to rule anything out here with Liverpool. Like, I, mm. I can't. No matter. I'm told that like at the Liverpool end, they're they're really not. Giving this the rumours any authority at all, and from the other end of things, they're saying the player's not for sale. So it seems like this is a no-go zone. But I'm just like, I'll, I'll wait and see. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it does seem to be one. Just you know, you let Liverpool do their thing, and then everyone goes, "Oh, that happened. That was cool," and it mm. usually works out for yeah. them, to be perfectly honest. Love, so, yeah. so here they go. And um, right, Sam,
1: let's move on to the top two. All right, number two, Mateus Cunha. On loan to wolves with and I've seen mixed reports on this, but it looks like an obligation to purchase him at the end of the
2: loan, i.e. in the yeah, summer. Is,
1: yeah. yeah. And it's it's for fifty million euros. Yeah. Like yeah, I think it which... starts at
2: thirty-seven million pound and rises to forty-three million pound eventually, most likely, yeah. Okay. So very, very similar to the Cody
1: Hackpo price there. Um yeah. where, well, there's a big difference between these two players. Um Cody Hapo is Flavor of the Month. He's had an amazing season. He's been to the World Cup. He's scored some goals. Mateus Cunha has barely played at all in the last, like, four years. <laughs> it's a very strange thing to say, but it's kind of true. I started tracking his career through earlier just to just to make some notes on him, and I thought this would make a really good who am I quiz question. You know those that go around? Listen yeah. to this. Pretend yeah. you don't know this is Mateus Cunha. He is Brazilian, 23 and he's already on his fifth European club. He's played in Switzerland, Germany, Spain, and now England. He's played in the Champions League, the Europa League, the Olympics, and has <coughs> eight caps for Brazil. He won the Olympics and has been nominated for the Puskas Award. I'd have no <laughs> idea. He has done all this in like... I reckon 50- it's Mateus Cunha. <laughs> well done, Jack. Nice one. He really switched on. He's started 55 league games in four and a half seasons. Uh, oh. It's not very many. It's just not very many games. No. Um, you know, he joined RB Leipzig, looked really good in flashes, but didn't, wasn't a key player. I think he was stuck behind, you know, Timo Werner and, and a sort of like fully fledged use of Poulsen at this time. It was a while ago. Um, and then Hertha Berlin get all that money and they're like, right, let's get him. He's talented. Goes to Hertha. He's Okay doesn't necessarily play all the time, has a fallout with the coach, has a bit of a disciplinary issue, ends up going to Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid made him their like seventh support striker or something because they had that weird thing where they, they just bought all of them, all of the same players. And it, it was really weird. He never gets to play. And now he's ended up with Wolves. So he's probably got Jorge Mendes to thank for that. Um, but it took me a while to remember because this can all cloud the memory and, and, and make it all a bit foggy. It took me a while to remember, actually. I really like this play. He's really good. He just like Mm. hasn't really been able to play football for a while and it's Mm. easy to forget. So I went back through and watched some of his clips and I remember watching him for for Brazil in the Olympics and he was fantastic. And I remember watching him for Leipzig and he scored some outrageous goals like dribbles past three players and pops it in the net. Really impressive solo stuff. This is an incredibly technically talented player. He's got some bravery in the box. He really follows crosses and finishes in and he puts his body on the line He's got a brilliant ability to burst past people he's really fast and he's really good at dropping in and taking the ball and turning. there's a lot here that I like about Mateus Cunha and if he would be in if he'd been in any sort of form whatsoever over the last two years you know playing games and actually cont- continually scoring, this kind of fee probably looks fair. It looks weird because he's such a part-time footballer or has been but actually I think deep down, this is OK, because I think the talent level actually sort of justifies it. But it's it's, a, it's a, on a case of you will have to prove this, not definitely is.
0: Yeah, I, mm. I just I'm worried about this move, not because I don't like him. I think he's a really good player. Um, but Wolves have been really bad in front of goal, right? This is this is it. Yeah. And you just doesn't sort that problem at all. What have uh, you he's played just... every week? Yeah, I mean, what was it? You know, he scored sort of one in every two when he was in his first year at Atleti, which is not bad. Mm-hmm. Um but there's never really been a season where he's been prolific. And I, I do kind of worry that this isn't just to do with the fact that he hasn't been playing enough. I just don't think he's a particularly good finisher. Like th- that's mm-hmm. where I'm at uh, on, on him. He doesn't strike me as one of those players who you're like, "Oh, he'll he'll slot" You know, he goes through and goal, and you know, there are some players who just like, oh, he will score. And Cunha just isn't one of those players. And and I think that w- when you're getting to this point in your Wolves, I, I quite like this as a signing, but I still think they need a centre forward. And then I don't know where that leaves Cunha. Does it leave him in exactly the same position that he was in at Atleti? It becomes one of those players you're like, I don't really know what you are.
1: So mm. his best season in terms of goal scoring. In seven, major European leagues, so we removed Switzerland. Uh, his his year at Switzerland, um, seven goals in twenty five starts, so t- just over two thousand minutes, seven goals, four assists. It's not it's not prolific by any stretch. It, it, you can't dress it up as anything. It's not he awful. actually got. It's, it's just not he, good. He, yeah, he actually got more yellow cards nine than goals that year seven in twenty five starts, which you That's know some, maybe sums s- him
0: up quite nicely actually as a player. Yeah,
1: yeah, he can be a bit feisty sometimes. Um, but I think he does play on the edge and I do like, I do like a lot of his game, obviously to go from where he is right now over the last couple of years and the amount of football he's played and his bit part role at Atletico Madrid to a, you know, a a 37 to 44 million pound move. Like it's, yeah, it's a lot. Um, But we're talking Mm. about January window where Enzo Fernandez is moving for 105 million. So maybe we, I don't know, maybe we are we're, we're through the looking glass on that one. But I do like the player. Obviously, it's a weird deal. It, it seems to work way too much for what he has achieved so far. But he's a good player and
2: he just needs yeah. a run. Like he leaned on Diego Costa for advice on whether he should make this move. And, and Costa told him that it's a great place. Like he, he's... Really enjoying himself there. Um, so obviously, um, speaking to an, another Brazilian in the squad has probably helped convince him of this move. Um, probably helps too. I mean, there's like ten Portuguese players in, <laughs> in the squad, like so yeah. that helps make the adaptation a little easier. They now have a, a top class coach in Lopetegui, like that again helps convince you that this can make the change. And actually, when you look at the forwards within the squad, I mean this is a team that is massively underperforming. Raul Jimenez, Podence, Hwang, um, they've got Kaladzic, they've got Guedes, um, they've got yeah Costa, they've got Adama Traore. There's a lot of players here who you've just of named. Players
0: there that take Kaladzic out of that, take Raul Jimenez pre-injury out of that. They've got a lot of players here. Gonzalo Guedes jumped out at me immediately. I was like, Oh, you do this as well. You completely and utterly underperform in front of goal on a regular basis. Yeah. This is, yeah, that's what worries me about this move. I, I get, I'm, I'm so with Sam on. I like him. I really enjoy watching him. I think he's a fun player to watch. I just don't think he's what Wolves need. But maybe I'm wrong.
1: Maybe they don't have that many options. I mean, they, they, when they deal, when they struck this deal, they were bottom of the league. Like beggars cannot be choosers to an extent. I know that George Mendes helps, you know, grease the wheels a little bit, but like. It's actually quite hard to buy prolific strikers when you're bottom. Taking a manager who took Sevilla into the relegation zone to get them out of a relegation scrap. Interesting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, focus um, on the bad bits, Jack. Yeah, You know me. There's, no, there's, yeah. there's only one thing in Seville worth talking about, and it does not play in <laughs> white and red. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, right, let's move on to our final one, shall we, Sam?
1: All right, well, it's top of the tree, but it was a free transfer. But I think we know why. It's number one. Uh, it's the most notable deal that has been struck so far. And it's also probably the most costly just in terms of wage packets. It's Cristiano Ronaldo, who has moved to Al Nasser in Saudi Arabia. Mm. Right. How do you want to address this, guys? let uh, do, do you want, uh, uh, I
2: start with any good bits. Have you got any okay. good bits? Uh, he got the seven shirt.
0: Yeah, but he had to, yeah. someone had to leave the, other the club wasn't very to do that, with that. was he? Did the terminated contract <laughs> there was, there the brand, was Although a, I don't there know was, if that's true or not. I, I mean, saw I saw
1: I saw something on Instagram that that, that the, the, the incumbent 7 refused to switch numbers, so he now has to find a new
2: That is such club. a big flex. I but love like, it. But like but
1: like I don't know, yeah. Like we <laughs> let's not give that any more credence in case it's no. not true. But he got the 7 shirt. Um he looked good in his photo, you know, holding up the shirt, like nice haircut and stuff. Um, Cristiano Jr. didn't look very happy, did he? Do you see the picture
0: of him lurking in the background with his hood up looking glum? That, oh, was, uh, that, was, yeah. that was an interesting this one. This
1: was not in his life plan. So, so like, <laughs> look, I've, um, I've sort of, I've waded into this a little bit on Twitter and it is, is one, was of the most, one of the most toxic potential debates, you know, around this sort of thing. But I think no matter your allegiance here, I think you can probably agree with me that this is not what Cristiano Ronaldo had in mind. Um, he was upset with Manchester United for not playing him. He was upset about the fact that this you know the club weren't in the Champions League. We've been led to believe and told over and over again throughout the years that, you know, he's obsessed with that, with got with scoring goals at the top level, obsessed with playing at the top level, obsessed with building that Champions League goal tally. Um and he was also essentially suggesting that he was being disrespected by, you know, the Manchester United manager by you know, because he wasn't playing him. And he wasn't happy. So he did an interview with Piers Morgan, specifically said in the interview that he would not go to Saudi Arabia. And then got his contract terminated, had a bad World Cup and then went to Saudi Arabia. It was, yeah, it's been, bad,
0: it's been a bad month. It's It's one of those really strange ones where like I think some of the grievances that Cristiano Ronaldo raised in his interview were probably legitimate. Um, now, not necessarily yeah. the ones about being disrespected by the manager. Man United, I think, though. But I think the ones about the ownership and about Manchester United as a whole were fairly cognizant points about how the club was being run, you know, from the top level down. I think he had plenty of of grievances there that have lots of credence about them. and And that's fine. The problem with doing an interview like this, I think, is that you need to then go out and prove that you can do it on the pitch in order for someone to take a chance on you. Because much as it's one of those things, you look at it and you go, is that the kind of thing that I want in the dressing room? If you're another manager, let's just say, you know it it didn't look like there were plenty of offers from Champions League level clubs, but I think there would have been interest from a number of Premier League clubs. I said it before that I thought that Cristiano Ronaldo would have been a really... good answer for Wolves and he would have fit there in terms of the system and would have helped the Wolves climb back it up the table and and moved into a position where he was scoring Premier League goals and and still in contention probably for the national team which he he wants to kind of look at and, and see all those kind of elements right fine the problem is that if you then go and have a World Cup like he did where he didn't score a goal that wasn't a penalty and it all just looked a bit all over the place. And then obviously, Gonzalo Ramos came in for that game and scored a hat-trick and it all was like, oh God, what, what's going on here? The play- people that want to take you in, who want to take that chance on you, have far less to stand on as a leg. They can't be like, mm-hmm. oh look, what he's just done at the World Cup. I think if Cristiano Ronaldo goes and scores four goals in the World Cup, mm-hmm. even if Christi- even if Portugal get knocked out in the round of 16 or the quarterfinals, fine. I think there are plenty of people who'd be like, look, he can still do it at you know the international level, at the top level. We'll take a gamble on him for six months." Chelsea might have taken a gamble on him for six months with Armando Brosier out. You know, these are the kind of yeah. you know moves you can earn by having your World Cup. By having the World Cup that he did, I think he basically stashed the legs out from under himself. Yeah. And therefore the options were probably incredibly limited. The other thing is that he, you know, is of an age now where he is coming to the twilight of his career and he's going to earn an absolute shed load of money. Now, whether you think that's necessary for him or not is, is a different question. But if you look at it from that perspective, you go, "I can now secure my family's future." If if, if it wasn't already, well, you know, <laughs> he was really
2: worrying about that before this. Billionaire month. Cristiano Ronaldo can <laughs> you know, now secure his family's. If future. someone what offered I think, you that
0: money on that at that point, I, I think it would be hard to turn down. Well, I mean, place. if you've got their
1: offers, yeah. I mean, you know, the other legitimate offer I've seen: Sporting Kansas City. Was, mm. seems to but be I at thought the there might be, you know, obviously we spoke about
0: the the Amorim thing in the in in the summer, and the, but I thought that there might be a possibility still that he
1: went back to Portugal. I really wanted to see him go to Sporting. So did I. I don't know. if... It felt I like don't the know thing. I don't know if Ruben Amorim wanted to see that because he wasn't—he quite overtly against it in the summer. It was, but then again, Sporting aren't doing very well. So you know what? Well,
0: if they could bring in an all-time legendary goalscorer back to the club, it might have at yeah. least lifted the mood around the place, whether they wanted them or not. Look,
2: yeah. For Ronaldo, like he's—he's he's now set a new bar in football because he nobody's ever going to earn this sort of money again. Potentially, like we honestly might never see this. We don't know. Like it's three three point one million pound a week. Like, yeah, surely Graziano Pella was on more than this back in the day <laughs> when he was the world's biggest best play player. No, Oscar. Oscar. Do you remember his, yeah. Wa- his wage? <laughs> yeah. Even, I don't know, like this is, like the, the levels he's going to hit here financially, He's he's got himself another little win in the bag. And also, I, I do think he's also, it seems like a fall from grace, but it's only a fall from grace because... He has refused to let his standards drop over the last couple of years, and has insisted that he could still play at the very, very top level. Whereas, almost any of the all-time greats are done by now. Yeah, almost yeah, yeah. all of them. Agreed. And this think this is what we have to consider: like to even still be playing at any level right now for Cristiano Ronaldo is an unbelievable achievement. I was, look- I had a quick look before we started recording just to see, like, a few players. Like, when did they retire? And it was like Pele 36, Maradona 37, Cruyff 31, Zidane 34, um, the other Ronaldo 35. So he's already, you know, to be playing, he's about to turn 38 Ronaldo. To be playing now, he probably is going to get to 40 and still be playing football, which almost nobody does especially no so,
0: outfielders apart from Joaquin yeah. who remains at Europa League level at 41. And you know, there's the bar lads. There's, there's the, bar. the bar. Yeah. No,
2: that's, a, that's a fair shout, but um, you know, it doesn't help him right now. Obviously the whole messy situation and you know, he's holding up a shirt in Saudi Arabia. Messi's holding the world cup. Like that obviously isn't a great look, but Messi is younger than him. Still Messi, who knows what, what situation he'll be in at 38. We literally don't know. Um, so it, yeah, I think just to stand up, step up, and say a couple of positive things from that's where I'll be looking from, and then to flip it and say right, right. How interested are we? How interested are we all now going to be in this in this move? What is Saudi Arabia going to get out of it? I know that they're talking about having an icon in their own game, some a role model within their game. And all these things but from a global standpoint obviously they they see this as a win but i was looking into it a little bit and i don't think anyone's got the rights to watch this league I, 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 we're, we're gonna have to find i don't some,
1: think someone's some gonna strips. go and grab it obviously no one's um, got it at
2: the moment either in neither in yeah. america or or the uk like i will definitely be watch this i'll definitely be
1: tuning in for um i want to see for sure when al massa play al-shabab um because al-shabab have al-tambakti who was my favorite Saudi Arabian centre-back at the World Cup what a performance he put in against Argentina and Messi the al tambakti Ronaldo rivalry now is going to be one of the biggest rivalries in football shall we go
0: is uh, it an <laughs> Shall we <one>. go? <laughs> I mean,
1: I've actually been watching a lot of Al Nasser because obviously I'm a
0: massive Vansant Bubakar fan. Um, mm. They also have Pity Martinez. Do you remember him? He was around for a while. He yeah. was at Atlanta yeah. United for a They've bit. They've got Anderson Talieska, uh, haven't they? Eh? Yeah, Luis Gustavo. There, there, there's there's Luis Gustavo! Some there's some players. David Ospina plays for them. But it, it's one of those, you know, I watched a bit of, well, I tried to watch a bit of the Saudi Arabian League before the World Cup because I was trying to work out the players when i was writing the saudi arabia preview article and video that we did and so it's very it's very difficult (laughs) like it's actually very difficult now obviously that was kind of trying to watch them retrospectively as opposed to live so it's probably harder still but it was genuinely quite hard and and being out of the limelight in that regard it is going to be an interesting thing to to witness but i mean from you won't witness it from the other perspective, oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, exactly. But that's going to be hard to see, or well, interesting to see how he responds to being out of the the main lights in in, in that matter. Yeah. But also, you know, you do look at it from Saudi-Arabian football perspective and think that oh, that's got to be a good thing in terms of growing the game and, and and building it up. And look, when lots of players went to MLS in sort of the mid-2000s, should we say, there was plenty of talk about it being retirement, home, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we've seen the growth of MLS from from then and, and off the back of that into a, a genuinely excellent league that all three of us enjoy watching mm-hmm. on a regular basis. And maybe this can be a catalyst for Saudi Arabian football in that regard. And, and and if so then
1: it's going to be interesting to see it. Well they'll hope they'll hope it's that and they hope it's a catalyst for a World Cup bid win as well. well of course it's going to be
0: very interesting to see if that Saudi Arabia bid goes up against Spain and Portugal and therefore where Cristiano Ronaldo lies if that happens. So Mm. there's one for the future. He'll have to read his contract to see what it says. Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. On that bombshell, I think it's probably time to call this segment a day. Uh, After the break, we'll of course have men of the week and the gibberish rankings don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC. It's time for our third and final segment of this podcast, which starts as ever with Mr. Dean Jones.
2: It's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is so predictable. It's Valtface of Leicester City. Wee. Oh, man. I mean, this is unlucky. I've really actually felt for the guy I watching I genuinely this, thought but... you were going to give this to Darwin. I was really worried. <laughs> <If> <laughs> well, Valt he was on the Faze same pitch as, as Darwin. Done... <laughs> yeah, if, if he hadn't have done this, then then Nunez might have got it again. Um... <laughs> He's useless, but anyway, we um... <laughs> I mean, just not doing this again. No, not doing <laughs> no. this again. Enough. So Liverpool two, Leicester one. Both Liverpool goals scored by Feltface. Um The first, uh, an attempted clearance that that loops over his own backwards over his own goalkeeper and into the net. The second, uh, Nunez hits the post when he should have scored, and uh, mm. faces is there. He felt so sorry for him with the finish that he just smashed it into his own net, stuck it. It's the a good striker's finish. He follows it in uh in both instances he's actually trying to do the right thing and just reacting in the best way possible and both things just going calamitously wrong um so there is genuinely sympathy here from me um i but, don't know as a player know, how but. how you ever get over something like this in during that night um because it's it's so crushing i imagine but but as you yeah. say, no, no. The first one is is so bizarre, it's
1: absolutely ridiculous. But the goalkeeper has called it and there's a miscommunication. So like as much as it's unlucky, it's also it's yeah, also bad. It's also it's bad. Fault, it, yeah. it, it, it just is bad. Um, and we, we, heard, we heard the heard the the audio of the of the you know of the, of the pitch cut up to make sure that you could hear the players and yeah Danny Ward calls for it you can hear it the second one the first one's clearly weighing on his mind because the second one there's like a few different things you could do to, to try and deal with that ball and what he does is like bottom of the list you know <laughs> smash I, I, it
0: top bins yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a bit weird like what he actually decides to do um and it ends up in the net like yeah the second one is a, it's a product of the first you know it's a it's a slippery
2: slope yeah uh I, one of my um mates was with me the next day and he hadn't seen it It's, it's Dean Lewington who, who is a professional footballer and he's played like 900 professional games or something for uh, for MK Dons and he's a defender so uh, I was talking about it and he goes oh I didn't see the game um, let me have a look at the goals and uh, so I said to him like that second one like what's he what's he done like what do you do when the ball bounces back like that to you what do you think you would have done and he said, well, it's big. He, he needs to just let the ball run. Like he's he's he shouldn't be trying to hook that way. It, it's the worst thing you can do because to turn your body from that angle, mm. it's almost impossible to get it out of your goal. Like you're actually better taking the gamble to let it run across you. And if you haven't got time to look, obviously it is a massive gamble. Yeah, but you're, but you're about to kick the ball in, the net, in mate, that like- moment. Yeah, you're either kicking <laughs> the ball into your own net or you're hoping you can run across your body and then get a foot on it. If there is someone there to make the tackle or get it away, it's not a good circumstance to be in as a defender, obviously, but that is your job as a defender to be in those situations and react yeah. to them. First yeah, first not... on the list
1: is let it run across you and hope. Second on the list is possibly try and control it on your chest and swivel and do something with it, like third, fourth, fifth, I don't know, new entries, and then somewhere Sweet down in the eighth. Bicycle kick over your head, you know, yeah, those kind of kick, vibes. Yeah. And then down in sort of roughly 10th to 15th is bash it top bins, make it yeah. two. Yeah. Not great.
0: Not yeah. great. And we talked about a Liverpool signing yeah. earlier, but Voutface might have been their best one so far this January. Uh, for uh, currently on. Liverpool's January top scorer, so That's nice to <laughs> see. Uh, right, DJ, before we move on, you want to counter that negativity with some positivity?
2: Oh, yeah, of course. Cool. So it's time for shout out of the week. Thanks for everybody that's been actually doing this. It's actually really cool. I like reading some positive messages about us. So um if you haven't done it, go to... uh Wherever you listen to your podcast, preferably Apple, because that's where we get most. Um, give you us a five can't stars. do it
0: outside of on Spotify, can you? So
2: um, no, you but just there give it. You can give app. a
0: rating, but you can't give a review. i do ratings. Yeah, we'll take ratings. We'll take ratings.
2: Uh, but this week's shout-out of the week comes all the way from Australia, where Joel Phebes has written some lovely words about us. He says, this is the best attacking three on the airwaves. The target man, the rank god Sam Tyre. the little <laughs> maestro Jack Collins pulling the, st- the strings, and Dean Jones. Wait. Who is Dean Jones? (laughs) (laughs) Very good. The best to ever do it when it comes to talking football and having a good time along the way. A great mix of tactics, transfer news, and all-round passion for the beautiful game keep up the good work fellas i really enjoyed that one thank you joel um that was a lot of fun and if you do like it remember this uh, month on, on patreon we're doing extra shows too so you already always get uh, two a week with the post box and the spotlight on a monday and friday uh, but we are starting extra transfer shows from this month uh where we're going to be basically letting you know how believable the rumors are and what you need to know about them so um it is a good time to jump on to patreon should be getting four or five a week from us uh for the foreseeable
0: yes short short sharp bursts of transfer news um it's going to be sprinkled on the patreon throughout this month the link as ever is in the description right gibberish siren it's back to some sort of full capacity
1: sam are you yeah first gibberish of the year and where's the natural place to start sam's new year's resolutions it's sam's new year's resolutions absolutely as you guys know i like to set myself very achievable resolutions i don't see the point in setting your stall out too far i don't see the point in pushing the boat out i don't see the point in aiming too high here just in case you fall short Really, the idea of a New Year's resolution is to make sure that you can absolutely, definitely achieve it. So bear that in mind as I Drink my more Guinness three. a couple of years ago was, was amongst the favorites, and you did
0: actually achieve that. So fair play to you.
1: I've nailed it. And I've taken that forward as well. I've done that year on year. That's real success. Yeah. Anyway, this year, number three. As you know, I've got my finger on the pulse, and I'm up to date on all of the things that people are doing in the modern day. I've decided that 2023 is the time for me to finally get involved in Wordle, as <laughs> I've never played it. I've never done it. I didn't even know it was still going. I didn't. I got bored, didn't it,
0: by the New York Times? I do hope. Oh yeah, it's, it did.
1: I do hope it's still going because I do plan to get involved. No, it is. Still going. Um, yeah, absolutely. This is a new. I mean, look, as a journalist, as a as a writer, as a podcaster. Words are my thing. This needs to be a thing. I See Jack checking to see if it's still alive there.
0: <laughs> no, I'm actually doing a be real because uh, <laughs> you know I'm just modern. I'm actually
1: up to date, mate. Thanks. For well, funnily enough, know. at number That's two. No, I'm kidding. It's <laughs> not be real. I'm never. I'll, I'll get involved in that sort of 2026. <laughs> uh, but for 2023, Wordle is now on my daily repertoire. At number two, I'm finally going to watch the final season of Money Heist because mm. I just I, thought, I don't know why is, I got around to it. But there's no reason. Like I've actually watched the first half of the last season. They just, they separated it into two. So I'm really just about six episodes shy of completing it. I really enjoyed all of it up until this point. Why haven't I got back involved? I'll tell you why. It's because it's in a different language that I don't understand. So I can't look at my phone while I'm watching it. Uh, And then therefore I have to actually fully pay attention for the entirety of the 40 minutes. And I'm just very rarely in the mood for that. So it's kind of slipped by. I've pushed it back. I've pushed it off. That stops now. We watched the final season of Money Heist this year. Very good. Very good. And at number one, drink more Guinness. <laughs> <laughs> and at number one is eat less McDonald's. Okay. Good this one. has got. Oh, I mean, I, I could extend this to all takeout, to be fair. I, I got very lazy towards the end of the year. Uh, but really, it's McDonald's is the problem. I eat far too much McDonald's. That's bad. You know, it, it's, well, that's, no, the thing is, Dean, and this is why I'm in the hole, right? This is why I'm in, this is why I've got a problem is because i tend to order wrap of the day it's cheap mm. it's not that unhealthy it's a chicken okay. wrap like it's all right yeah. so i sort of tell myself that and i order it over and over and over and over and over it's again. the chips
2: and the milkshake and the, yeah.
1: uh- <laughs> <laughs> and, the and the donut um, but i you know I, I probably i'm probably good for two mcdonald's a week genuinely
0: whoa
1: yeah. And like a hundred a
0: year. That's and that, like so and that, much. And that includes... <laughs>
1: tunnels McDonald's a year. <laughs> and that includes... So basically when I go swimming, which is nice and healthy, on the way back, it's like, oh, I'm a bit hungry. I'll just go to the drive-thru and get a chicken wrap. It's, got to, to the like, it's yeah. got to stop. It's got to stop. Like it's definitely just it's canceling out all the good stuff I do. Play could make a week. I I make
0: I make chicken goujon wraps at least twice yeah. a week. Right?
2: That's literally good. You literally just get...
0: whack them in the oven and you get yeah. yourself a tortilla with some lettuce and and, and some mayonnaise. Off you go.
2: Better yeah. quality and meat. The better quality. Yeah, absolutely.
0: It's just it's just better and it's cheaper. Cheaper.
1: So, yeah. Good. I'm um, good. That's yeah. That's that's where I've got to go. I mean, I bet I've, Ultimately, I've got to draw the line here. Ronald McDonald has had far too much of my money uh, <laughs> and life, by right. the sounds and of far, it, and, and, and you've given me far juice. too many saturated fats. So yeah. that's it for me. Eat less McDonalds. Watch the final season of Money Heist, and start Wordle. Oh. right wow i didn't 100 mcdonald's a year has really
0: thrown me mate i'll be honest that <laughs> has absolutely absolutely thrown me into next
1: week i don't know what's going on anymore i mean
2: and sam might, had never thought of it in those terms uh, no, look at place it, it, you <laughs> know, it's one every times. three days for an entire year <laughs> I, I mean it's not one every three days it's one every three and a half yeah and he goes on holiday occasionally oh i
1: didn't have any when i was on holiday yeah, but yeah, he comes yeah.
2: back and so he's like, Oh, I've missed these. Yeah. Three
0: or four <laughs> the next week just to make up for it. Uh, That's right. That's the how they get you. This is how they get you. Right, very good. Very good. Anything from you, Dean? Any New Year's resolutions?
2: Um I did actually, do you know, what I made the list the other day, what was it? Oh, I can't see it now. I did I did write some down, but I've forgotten what they were. So they're obviously not off to a good yeah, start. They've <laughs> started well, have they? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was like drink kombucha. No. You um, tried that. It's I can't so, find a single one I like. I like all of them. Oh, kombucha man. is going to be my thing if I can ever find anywhere else that sells it. There was basically a vegan. <laughs> there was like a vegan market in the in Walton, and I, I'd had it in America before. And this girl was then just trying to sell it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll support this. Like this is nice," and I bought a load of bottles of it. And it was really good, but I haven't seen her since. Um, and the stuff in the shops that I've seen just doesn't look as good. So, yeah, drink more kombucha if I can find it. It might go. be that I'm not on the premium, premium scale that you're on. That might be yeah. my problem. Yeah. Sounds, sounds, really, sounds expensive. Yeah. Sounds
0: expensive. Uh, yeah, probably well, because it is that's expensive. That's true. I can't
2: get into a habit of that. I'd rather be in a McDonald's habit and buy <laughs> bottles of that everywhere. It's about four quid a bottle.
1: Wrap of the day, one ninety nine.
2: Not
0: Yeah, exactly. Other chicken wraps are available. I'm going to knock 10 shots off my golf score. Um, there you go. There's, there's, oh. my, there's my New Year's resolution. So uh, okay. I'll be seeing less of you over the course yeah. of this year because I'm going to be on the range. You've got a lot right. of practice. Yeah, a lot of practice to be done. And on that bombshell, I think it's probably time for us to call it a day. Uh, all that's left for me to do is to say thank you very much for listening. Thank you so much to our rank God, Mr. Sam Tai. So Cheers, mate. Thank you so much to our transfer guru Mr. Dean Jones Cheers mate I've been Jack Collins knave of hearts there are more articles going up in 2023 this is the Ranks FC New Year's resolution the website is taking a turn for the more exciting there's a couple of articles up there already that you can go and check out uh, if you go up to ranks.football in your web browser Sam's written a lovely three things to think about we've got the brilliant Owen Murray writing for us on there regularly as well it's all going be very exciting on the ranks website even dean and i might put some things together when we get a moment it's going to be it'll be lots of fun so do go and check that out if you're able Uh, and we will see you next week rank squad take it easy